0: Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Robert Mueller is thought to be near the end of his investigation into attempted Russian interference in the 2016 US presidential elections. Kadim Shuba discusses what to expect with the FT's Jeff Dyer.
1: So welcome, Cadam. We've grabbed Kadam, who's usually based in DC, but he's passing through London at the moment, so we grabbed him to pick his brains and all things to do with the Russia investigation. Kadam, there have been reports in the last week that Robert Mueller, the special counsel, looking into potential links between the Trump campaign 2016 and Russia, that he is about to finish his investigation. What does that actually mean? What does it mean to say that he's going to finish the investigation? Are we going to get the report sometime very soon?
0: Well, he began his work in May 2017, so we're coming up to the two-year mark this year. When he finishes his investigation, when he's decided that there are no more indictments that he wants to bring, when he decided that the investigatory work that he's doing is completed, then he will file a report to the Attorney General, and we assume there will be some announcement that Mr. Mueller has finished his work, the probe is completed, and then the question becomes whether we're going to get to see that report.
1: So you talk us through the actual process. What then happens to the report when it goes from Mueller's office to the Attorney General?
0: So this is going to be the big bone of contention in the coming months. Mueller will file a report to the Attorney General, who is William Barr. He was recently confirmed to the position at his Senate confirmation hearings. He shifted the ground quite remarkably. Previously, everyone had assumed and expected that we're going to get to see the report that Mueller writes. He pointed out that the regulations governing Mueller's work call his report a quote-unquote confidential document. And so Mr. Barr has said, I will get Mueller's report, that report is going to be confidential, and I will do my own summary of the report, which I will give to Congress and the public. That's going to be the thing that folks are battling over in the months. Democrats have said that they will subpoena Mueller's report. They'll do everything in their power to make it public. Mr. Barr has been quite clear that he considers it to be confidential. The other thing that we don't have a good sense of at the moment is what Mueller's report actually looks like.
1: So you mentioned the Democrats are going to do what they can to get this report out into public. The Democrats do not control the House of Representatives, so what tools do they have to take anything that Mueller reveals and to put it into the public domain? How much power do they actually have now?
0: Well, it's primarily two things. One is that they can subpoena the documents and if the DOJ resists, then that will ultimately go to court and a judge will decide whether the documents have to be turned over or not. The other thing they can do is demand that Mueller himself or prosecutors on his team come and testify for the House, and they can also subpoena those individuals. And again, if there's resistance to that, then it'll go to court. I think it's quite likely we'll see Mueller call to testify, and I can't imagine why there would be objection to that. The question is what he would say, what he would reveal. I mean, there's an expectation that... Mr. Mueller, throughout his career, has not been someone who is prone to divulging tons and tons of gossip and information. He's a very by-the-book kind of guy. He's brought several indictments, and what we may see him do is say, well, I brought indictments where I thought it was appropriate to do so, and I didn't bring indictments where I didn't feel it was appropriate, and it wouldn't be right for me to start criticizing people for stuff that I didn't charge them for.
1: Some of our listeners might remember back in the Clinton presidency, the report by Ken Starr, which was a very long and at times extremely lurid document detailing goings on in the Oval Office when Bill Clinton was president. Should we expect something similar this time or is it going to be very different?
0: I think, if anything, we should expect the exact opposite of that. The regulations that Mueller works under were introduced in 1999 as a direct reaction to the independent counsel investigations that had gone on before. William Barr said at his Senate hearings that you know it's DOJ policy not to criticize people for stuff that you don't charge them for. Rod Rosenstein at a conference from Washington this week made the same point, which is that the DOJ shouldn't be criticizing people if they're not going to charge them for that conduct. And particularly after the 2016 election, where you had famously or infamously James Comey, the former FBI director, when he gave that conference announcing that he wouldn't bring charges against Hillary Clinton, he also criticized the way that she handled her emails. And there's near total agreement amongst DOJ and former DOJ folks in Washington that that was the wrong thing to do. And I think what you're going to see here is if Mueller hasn't charged someone, it's likely that we're not going to see a lot of criticism of that person.
1: So that's the process. Let's talk a bit about the substance of what we have found out already and what we might expect to find out. As you mentioned, Mueller's been working on this for two years now. What are the big things that he's discovered that are already in public domain that we know about potential links between the Trump campaign and the Russian government?
0: One of the difficult things about this whole story is that because it's been going on for so long, that you often forget some of the stuff that was revealed some time ago. So, you know, one of the earliest indictments was Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor. He was indicted for lying to the FBI about his contacts with the Russian ambassador during the transition period. Specifically, he lied about the fact that he discussed sanctions with the Russian ambassador. You had George Papadopoulos, who was a foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign. He was also charged with lying. He lied about his contacts with a professor in London who claimed that the Russians had quote-unquote dirt in the forms of emails. So you had at a very early stage an A to the Trump campaign being informed that the Russians had emails before anyone else knew about that. And then it goes on and on. You also more recently had the indictment of Roger Stone, this time for lying to Congress. Stone has denied the charges and he's currently fighting it.
1: Stone at the time was an advisor to the Trump campaign, a friend of Donald Trump. He was an
0: advisor to the Trump campaign until sometime in 2015 and then thereafter was still close to the campaign. And has been a longtime friend of Donald Trump. Uh, He was indicted for lying to Congress about statements he made about impending WikiLeaks document dumps. And he is alleged to have lied to Congress about who exactly was his source for that. And what we discovered in his indictment was claims that the Trump campaign had effectively used Stone as a a source of information about what WikiLeaks may or may not be doing. Then we also had Michael Cohen, who was Trump's former lawyer. He, again, was indicted for lying to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow project. Cohen told Congress that discussions for that project ended in January 2016 before the campaign really got into gear. before Trump was the nominee. He admitted it actually went on until about June of that year. And also Paul Manafort. So Paul Manafort was not indicted for anything to do with the 2016 campaign. He was indicted for tax and bank fraud and successfully prosecuted and later pleaded guilty for tax and bank fraud relating to his work in Ukraine What we discovered in the last month or two was his contacts with a Russian national he had worked with in Ukraine, who the FBI believes has active links to Russian intelligence, and he gave that person up-to-date, detailed polling data from the Trump campaign. And during the campaign, he was discussing with that person a Ukraine-Russia peace plan. So you have all of these contacts, all of these breadcrumbs of information, but what you don't have, and this is the key thing, is an allegation of conspiracy between the Russians and the Trump campaign. That's the thing that has been, you know, quote unquote, missing. It may be because it's not there. But that's the thing that um, Mr. Mueller hasn't addressed, which is what people have been expecting him to address all this time.
1: So that's a big outstanding question that might or might not be answered when his final report, if it ever is made public, when people get to see it.
0: Yeah, the difficult thing is the regulations require Mueller to simply explain the decisions he made to prosecute and the decisions he made not to prosecute. And that's the entire wording of his obligations in terms of a report to the attorney general. So he may interpret that as like a canstar Starr-esque kind of document where he's going to paint a, you know a great narrative of his investigation and what he found. Or it could be very bare-bones and brief. He could say, I prosecuted these people because I had evidence to do so, and I didn't prosecute other people that I didn't have evidence to do so. It could be that bare-bones. So we actually don't know if Mr. Mueller will answer this question definitively at all.
1: One final question. Who do you think is the most worried about what might be in the final Mueller report? Is it the president himself? Is it his son? Is it Jared Kushner? Who do you think is the person who's most anxious about what he's going to say?
0: Well, the president has the fortune of being a person that, under DOJ policy, cannot be indicted. I think it's possible that none of those people are worried about it. If this is a report that does not allege anything beyond what we already know in the public domain, I think the president may well say, Mueller never claimed any conspiracy, no collusion and so on. So if there's a lot of bad stuff in there, of course the president and his associates will be worried, if only because of the political ramifications of that. But if it's more bare bones, then maybe you know, it's possible the president has every reason to be happy about it. Kadim Shuber, thank you very much for your time. That was Kadim Shuber, our Washington-based legal and enforcement correspondent, talking to Jeff Dyer. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.